The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the Piercing Wizard Podcast. I'm Ryan Willett. My guest this week is Leo Zebol, a piercer from Iowa, owns uh, Mint Piercing, some really nice studios, really forward-thinking with the, the layout of the shop and the, the overall design. Um, we talk a little bit about the, the concept how uh, some studios, are they're not really piercing shops anymore, they're more jewelry stores that offer uh, insertion, that offer piercing, things like that. Uh, we talk a lot about the, uh, the different strategies and the, the ideas that went into the Mint shops and... Um, you know, different things about hiring people for their values and making sure that they, they fit into your overall kind of feel for the studio instead of just kind of grabbing someone who's got some piercing experience and kind of throwing them at your, your clients when maybe they might not be the best fit for them. Uh, a couple of different points that we, we get to also, um, it, really talking about making piercing uh, an experience and, and not just the service. You know, um, that's a, a big trend that, that Leo sees for 2018 where we're really differentiating ourselves by the service that we can offer. Uh, you know, he makes a great point that, you know, almost anybody can uh, order and carry jewelry from uh, the, the top companies. And, and what's really going to set uh, set our businesses apart is the service that we give people with that jewelry. So um, it's a really interesting conversation. Uh, check it out. I hope you like it. Uh, a couple things I just want to say really quick. Another big thank you, again, just for the, the amount of people that are listening to the show and following and, and commenting and, and telling me... Uh, you know, that they're enjoying it. Uh, I'm up to 8,000 listens so far with the show. Um, I, I, I feel like that's a lot. So, you know, thanks a lot. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for, for listening, and I hope to keep giving you great content uh, over the next couple of months or however long uh, in, until I give up on doing the show because all my hair is falling out from the stress. Um, this weekend, I'm leaving for Florida, teaching my class. Um, I've got another uh, interview ready to go for next week's show, so I don't have to, to stress and work that out. But I'm going to try to uh, interview some of the people that came to my class and you know, maybe uh, get like a before and after what they're looking forward to learning. And then maybe if they actually uh, feel like they, they learned it or if I did a, a decent enough job teaching. Then the following week, I'll be doing my class again in Maryland. And uh, then I'm coming back and I'm just kind of hunkering down and getting ready for the, the Boston Tattoo Convention. But I'm also going to be doing a lot of work getting ready for the uh, LD scholarship process for the APP conference. That's going to be a ton of work. I'm going to be doing that with Kale Belford and, uh, of course, Caitlin McDiarmid. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to finding those winners. Uh, it's going to be a little bit uh, of stress. You know, it's, it's a tough month, you know, reading all those applications, watching all those videos and reading essays and doing interviews. But, you know, it's, uh, it's um, really rewarding to, to end up picking those, those scholars and then, you know, seeing their, seeing their smiling, happy faces uh, at the end of an exhausting week at conference. You know, it really makes it all worth it. So I'm looking forward to that. So stick around for the interview with Leo and I'll be back at the end. My name is Leo Zebel. I own Mint Piercing in Iowa. We just opened up our second location. We have a shop in West Des Moines uh, that we just opened up on December 1st. And then we have another shop in Ankeny, Iowa, that's probably about like 15 miles from here. That's been open since August of 2016. And uh, well, um, from 
you know, I've, I've never seen Mint personally, other than, than mm-hmm. pictures, but it, it seems to me that you're going for more of like the um, kind of the progressive thought that a lot of a lot of piercers are doing with their studios now, where it's it's more of like a boutique kind of salon feel. Is that is that kind of the vibe you were going for? Totally. In fact, uh, I'm so glad I didn't. But at the beginning, the the initial name was Mint Piercing Boutique. Right. And in the end, I decided that that was not the word I wanted to use. Um, I, I still like the concept of a piercing studio. Uh, I think that it just it's nice, refined sound, and it just seems really professional. And I, I really think that our goal from the outset was really to be more like a jewelry store than anything else. Right. And I think a lot of piercers, studios that are opening up are doing that now where they're more a jewelry store that offer piercing services. And I think since putting more of the emphasis on the jewelry store aspect of it and really taking that into consideration with all of our branding and our marketing, um, we are definitely reaching a client base uh, that we wouldn't have or that we didn't see in the past. Yeah. Just based on the fact that it's just super accessible to suburban America. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are, are kind of catching on to that and, with my with my own studio too, I'm noticing that you know there are some days where I can have, you know, a really successful day, you know, uh, really strong tickets and really strong sales, and you know sometimes it might be like 75% just jewelry sales and installs and and very few actual oh, yeah. like piercings. So, do you feel like that's that's a trend, or or do you feel like it's more 50/50 or like leaning one way or the other for you? I think it's. Definitely a trend in regards to the studios that are offering a lot more high-end jewelry because we get a ton of people coming in that have lots of piercings or they have a handful of piercings in their ears. And, you know, the the ongoing joke is that they forget that they have them because they haven't even thought about them in a decade. Yeah. You know, you get the same little ring in their their tragus that they had when they had it pierced when they were 17. And, you know, now they're in a place in their life where they, they want to either they're either going to take it out or they're going to do something nice with it. Yeah, and I've had that with a having, lot of different clients where they, they come in and you can tell that they put, you know, a lot of money into their, their clothes or their their nails or their hair or something yeah. like that. And then you, you look at their piercings. Sometimes they'll come in for like a, a nostril or something. And then when I'm talking to them, I'll be like, hey, you know what? If you if you like rose gold and if you like, you know, champagne diamonds or, or whatever your your style is. I can totally upgrade your tragus piercing or your earlobes or your helix or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, I never even thought of that. What can you do for it? Yeah. And I, I love that stuff. <laughs> I know it. I know the ongoing joke, or the, the way that I usually present it is, honey, that's just not good enough. <laughs> right. You're doing so You're good with everything that. else. we got to bring you to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool. You know, I, I, I think uh, body piercing has yeah. more credibility now because I think, you know, 15 years ago or, or even less than that maybe uh people thought that body jewelry was just like oh whatever you know you can buy it at a gas station you can buy it at walmart like you know what yeah. what what is body jewelry you know really when it comes to fashion but now when people see a, a mm-hmm. you know a studio like mint or or some of the other high-end studios out there yeah. they're really like looking at it and they'll be like oh this jewelry is even nicer than the stuff at like the jewelry store that i go to in the, the mall or wherever yeah, people are really starting to make that association that we are offering fine jewelry for piercings. Yeah. And, you know, there's still a lot of people that come in that have never even experienced that before. So our goal is to just be really make that transition really gentle. 
because it's so easy to come off pretentious oh, yeah. And, yeah, I believe it, and people feel stupid, you know, for not knowing that there's a better option or, you know, we definitely don't want to make them feel like what they're currently wearing is like ugly or gross or anything like that. So bringing a lot of laughter and fun into that conversation is usually really helpful. Right. Yeah. You know, and, uh, one of, one of my favorite moments when I'm like, you know, upgrading people's jewelry or changing out their old stuff, um, you know, when I'm setting up everything, I'll be like, oh, do you, do you want me to bag up the jewelry I'm taking out or do you want me to just toss it for you? And they're almost, they're always like, oh, just, just toss it. I never want to see this thing again. Yeah. That's a small victory for us. Yeah. <laughs> we should like, we should do like a, like an iron throne, like in Game of Thrones. Like we should all collect all the body jewelry for the year. And then we should like make like a big throne out of it. And Jim Ward can sit on it. I, uh, I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, way better than putting it all in a fish tank because yeah. it's gross. Yeah, that does sound gross. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what what was the decision for you to to open Mint? What were you what were you doing uh, career wise before that? Totally. Uh, I had a, another studio that I opened in 2004, and I had that studio here from 2004 to 2009. And um, we did tattoos and piercing, and we sold really good jewelry, and that's where I kind of got my my real start in hand jewelry and starting to learn about it and carry it and, and market it in different ways. And in 2011, I sold that business and then uh, started a jewelry company called Relic Stoneworks, mm -hmm. which my wife actually took over completely. Uh, a couple years after, and um, she's done that for, for quite a while now. She makes custom stone plugs. And after selling the studio, I eventually went back and started working with them and contracting their piercing work. And so I ran the piercing studio within their shop, and uh, it went it was, it was really great for a long time. And over time, uh, it wasn't that that business was doing poorly. It was more just having this vision of wanting to do something just focused on what we love and what I know, which is jewelry and piercing and having worked in a lot of the piercing only studios in the country and just seeing how well that can be done. Uh, it's really, it was a goal that I had for a long time. So it just, um, seemed like the thing to do. And so we started making the transition, started scouting out places and uh, looking at different different areas of town and running into roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, like many of us do when we're trying to open up a a space. And eventually things started coming together, and we really ended up just going with the path of least resistance and um, fell into some really great locations and were able to open the two studios within uh, just a little over a year of each other. That sounds great. What So what are some of the factors that go into finding a good location for you? Because I know some people, it's like, you know, they want to be – you know, near a college campus. Some people want to have right. like, really good parking. Some people want to have accessibility to a highway or, you know, things like that. Like what goes into a good location for you? The things that I look for are going to be complementary businesses for the most part. Okay. You know, I think about what, what I, who I want my clients to be. And I think about where they already are. And, and for us, it's, it's moms and daughters. Um, probably middle to upper class and in really nice communities in town. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really love the, the urban communities in Des Moines and downtown Des Moines has, has a ton of culture and art and it's really a beautiful area, but it's just a different scene. And we have, or I have always really clicked with the soccer moms. Okay. 
And so I, if I can put myself where they are and where they're shopping, um, that, that seems to be the, the easiest approach for me. And I find the less I have to manipulate things, the less I have to be a different person or, you know, put on my, my work face, uh, the easier work is. And yeah, the more I can do yeah. myself and, and work with the people that I tend to click with. So for us, it was um, these two communities that are on differing sides of the Des Moines metro and, um, you know, really just putting together those factors and, and seeing, you know, what, what feels best with where we're going to fit into the communities. Right. So how did your, uh, how did your neighbors uh, take the news when they saw, I mean, did they, did they see it as like, oh, a, a piercing shop is coming in here, you know, get ready for right. motorcycles and drug addicts <laughs> and stuff like how did, how did they take to you? But like before you actually opened when they could see what your aesthetic was. Sure, sure. Well, I tell you, doing it the first time is always the hardest because you don't have anything to show anyone. And especially when it comes to some of the more high-end shopping centers and the nicer parts of town, they're very skeptical of bringing in a rough crowd. And for good reason. They have a culture that they're trying to cultivate and they're trying to keep a certain look and an image in their areas. And so you know, saying, you know, we're going to be high end and we're going to be nice. That, that can, that can be very subjective. Yeah. And, and our business can be super seedy and kind of gross. And so having something put together, having something visual that I can put in front of landlords or, you know, I mean, it's really the landlords, the neighbors, uh, you know, once, once we meet them, they're, they're, they're in and they're sold because most of them are really open-minded to what we're doing now too. But it's the building owners and the property managers uh, that are very skeptical. Yeah. And I remember having problems with that myself. Like, when I, yeah. I, I've only, I've only owned one location at a time, but I've, I've grown it and moved a couple of times. And when mm -hmm. I went from my original location to my, my second, my second store, it was really like I had to practically wine and dine the landlords because they, they hear yeah. those keywords, you know, piercing or, you know, yep. I, also, I also offer tattooing in my studio and they just, they have that mental image of what that kind of shop is going to look like. So I had to bring them in and say like, you know, look at what I'm already offering. You know, it's jewelry and it's art and it's, you know, it's bright and it's welcming. You know, I'm not trying to intimidate anyone. You know, I, I just want to be part of the community and I want to offer like a, a nice quality friendly service. And, you know, eventually they, they came around, but I, I'd imagine that would be pretty tough for a lot of people looking to open studios. It certainly can be. And I think tattooing is the bigger hurdle. Right. Uh, I think that in a lot of cases, this is not even an option. A lot of the, the big box businesses, they have covenants in their leases that the landlord can't rent specifically to certain vice, quote unquote, businesses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so a lot of them have wording in their leases that they can't lease to pool halls or strip clubs or head shops or tattoo shops. You know, it's kind of lumped in that same class of businesses for a lot of people. So in our approach, you know, really approaching it from the stance of we are a jewelry store that offers piercing services. It really helped to make that transition for people and make it uh, a little bit more understandable, the approach that we were taking and we were coming from. Nice. So when it came to the name uh, Mint, you know, and I, yeah. I've seen your, your branding and your logos and things like that, uh, what was it that, that drove you towards that name? Was that something that you just, you, you had it like from, from day one, like this is, this is what I want to do. Or, you know, did you go through a couple different names or what was your strategy yeah. for your branding? Uh, I, my main approach to it is I knew I wanted a four letter word. Okay. I think that, that graphically, 
it just has so much potential. And and somebody already took tits, so you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to, I had to pivot. I had to go with something else. <laughs> so I, yeah, I have a notebook, and I actually did a I did a search online for four letter words, and we just went through the list, and we're thinking what what works and what can we make fit into this uh, this box. And mint was not the first choice, but we kept coming back to it. And the thing I liked the most about it was it had so many associations. You not only the, I mean, there's a, there's a flavor association, there's a color association, there's a quality association, and just graphically, it's an interesting word. There's one, two, three, four, five, six vertical lines. So it just gives you a lot of options for um, you know coming up with cool T-shirt designs or or different things like that. Good, yeah, that's smart. I, I wish I had uh, put a little bit more helps. thought into my name because now I'm stuck with Precision Body Arts, which is like if you had to imagine like the most generic name that you could give a shop, I think Precision Body Arts would be like right up there at the top of the list. I don't agree. I think it's really good. I think Precision yeah. one of the better words you could have used when you're talking about like. I mean, what do we do? We, we, we work precisely. That's right. yeah. kind of the foundation of what we do. And I think, I think it's a good name. Thanks. You know, my, my main thing is like, you know, I'm in, I'm in New Hampshire and there are a lot of studios. I don't want to name names, but there are a lot of studios with like very aggressive sounding names with like you know, totally. the, the word pain and things like that, like in their <laughs> name. And it's like, yeah, you know what? I want to just kind of flip it on its head and, and I want people to look at it a different way. So I was thinking like, you know, like, let's just do something that can maybe instill some confidence. But I think Mint... Uh, really grabs people because um, you know it's it, it seems like softer you know basically like yeah. when you hear mint you, you're you're just kind of I don't know it, it opens you up in a different way that I think some other yep. some other names might not. That was a big part of it too. You know, we wanted something that was going to appeal to our female clientele. I mean, saying that our that our business is predominantly female is a gross understatement. You know. We still get a fair amount of guys that come in, but I mean, it is, we work with women and everything we do is catered and delivered in a package that would appeal to women. And so that was uh, the name, you know, definitely seems to serve that purpose as well. Yeah, smart. What, um, I, I think a lot of studios, mine included, have that same kind of thing where I wouldn't see it as a negative. You know, I, I love my clientele. But I, totally. I do wish that I could be maybe a little bit more accessible to, to some men. And do you think that it's just mm -hmm. that it's not a fashion trend for them right now? Or do you feel like it's yep. intimidating for them kind of coming in and, and talking about jewelry when maybe that's not something that, that a lot of like men naturally kind of gravitate towards? I, I don't think it's cool for guys right now. Right. Just in general. You know, I, I think it's cool for guys. I think it's fine. I think um, it's awesome. Yeah. It's not – I don't think it's a big priority. For men right now, and I think that the even the female clientele that we're seeing today is very, very different than the one that we saw, you know, five, ten years ago. Mm -hmm. It's so mainstream now that the more we can make what we do understandable and accessible to someone who's never even stepped foot in a in a piercing studio or even thought about getting a piercing, the better we'll end up doing. Yeah, yeah. I was I was talking to uh, to Miro about it a little bit uh, yeah. I think last week, and you know, one thing that that kind of stuck out for me is like I 
I never get people talking about uh, piercing being sexy anymore. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it's a, a negative, you know. I'm, I'm sure there are some people who have been piercing for a long time where they're maybe disappointed with piercings uh, kind of moving away from being connected to sexuality directly. But now it's like people, they want it because it just, it it feels more expressive to them and maybe not necessarily in like the, the sexy way. They just feel comfortable with it. And they it's it's beauty, um, but mm. it's not necessarily like sex appeal like it like it used to oh. be. I don't know if you feel it that way. No, that, I think I think that's a really strong observation. I think it holds a lot of water in that it is so. It, it's it's about as expressive as anything else. I and mean, we've we've always talked about it like you know, kind of kind of simplified it like a new pair of jeans or you know any other fashion accessory. But I mm. think today that's true more than ever. Yeah, and. Mm. Especially with with the huge movement towards thin gold rings and little diamond studs and you know all of these options that we can offer for literally anyone, right? And and, and make it look like it fits on them. It used to be that it needed to be a certain type of person to be able to wear piercings and and have it make sense. And now uh, you know with a gentler, softer approach, I mean it can literally work on anyone. Yeah. So uh, maybe I'm a little bit late to the party in thinking about this, but that whole term like curated piercing, what do you, what do yeah. you think of, of something like that? Because I think it's really what, what studios like, like yours and mine and a, a lot of other studios have been doing for a really long time. I just don't think anybody was smart enough to come up with a marketing term for it. And, right. You know, yeah. now when they say that, uh, like I got, I got a call the other day and somebody was like, oh, do you offer curated piercings? And I was like, oh. uh, well, we offer everything. Um, what? What's your definition of curated? And they were just like, oh, yeah, you know, you take a picture of my ear and you tell me what you think might fit. And it's like, oh, that's just – that's what I've been doing for 10 years. I'm, now that there's a term for it, I'll, I'll definitely use that more. But, uh, you know, I feel like it's it's the experience that, that people want now, not just uh, the, the piercing. You know, they want to come in and they want someone to pay attention to their – you know, the color of their eyes, the color of their nails, what – you know, what are they wearing? For, like, what kind of bag or shoes do they have? And you can say, like, oh, hey, you know, if you love that tone or that color, take a look at this rose gold or this this matte texture or hammer texture or check out these stones that matches your eyes, and I think you'd love it. And I think people just love that experience of people just paying attention to them. That's the foundation of it. It's, it's having them coming in and feel like someone is paying attention to them. And I, for one, the, the first time I saw that video going around, I was so psyched about it. I mean, sure, we can sit here and pick apart all the details that piercers want to throw a fit about. But at the end of the day, this is a video of normal girls getting really nice-looking piercings. Yeah. And that is, that, that is what this video is inspiring. And I, I, hats off to those guys for putting all that together and getting that kind of exposure because that exposure for us is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And we're all going to approach it a little bit differently. And I think it's very important, obviously, that we approach it ethically and really kind of know when to pump the brakes for people if they're trying to get too many piercings at once or they're wanting to start with jewelry options that just aren't going to be a good idea. Of course we're going to do that. But to poo-poo the whole thing wholesale because of a couple of, of issues with the way it was presented in, in an online video is just silly. It's missing the point. Of, I, I actually haven't seen the, the video. I, I've, I've noticed people thoughts? talking about it. But yeah. uh, I usually kind of go out of my way to ignore other people's marketing sometimes because I don't want to okay. inadvertently steal their, their good ideas. You know, I don't want to be – 
uh, like ripping somebody off. Like that's a good example. Like um, like Will Von Doom. Like I know he does a podcast. And I know he does like awesome guests and subjects and all that stuff. But yeah. I try not to listen to it because I don't want to, you know, on purpose or accidentally like you know bite his ideas and his style. So. I totally right. love that somebody put a video out there and, and did that work because all that's going to do is make it easier for me to have a conversation with my clients, for better or worse. You know, the, yeah. the more information that the clients have before they walk through my door, the better. Yeah, and it's not a video promoting rhino piercings. You know, they're, <laughs> talking about, they're talking about little earlobes with, with little diamonds and cute little things. And, you know, it gives a fun name to the whole thing. And I, I took the same approach kind of that you did when you started getting phone calls about it. Cause I mean the time, the concept of curated piercings has been long here, you know, and I think yeah. Maria Tosh, as far as I know, deserves the most credit for that. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be the, the one that was kind of throwing it around first, uh, and has for a long time. And I've kind of avoided it just out of respect for, for them developing something that's working insanely well for them. And it wasn't until people really started contacting me directly asking if we do that very thing that I was like, okay, yeah, we need to start being a little bit more vocal about this and maybe put something out there that makes it a little bit more accessible for people or at least explains a little bit more about what it is. I, I so feel now like as we, as we grow as an industry, we all need to start thinking about – well, just like you said, how it's, you know, you're a jewelry store that, that offers installation, you know, like what are the other services that, you know, people in our, you know, bubble and in, in, in our skill set can, can offer that maybe, you know, some like, uh, like street shops can't really offer, you know, and I, I feel like it's that, that knowledge base, it's that customer service, it's that like attention to detail, personal service kind of thing. And, um, you know, I think we've all been focusing on, trends for like what piercing is hot this season or you know what what jewelry are people coming in and asking for but I think we should really start to kind of turn it around as like you know what's the service that we're offering because we yeah. can kinda, we can kind of corner the market when it comes to that sort of stuff yeah yeah absolutely I mean anybody can carry any jewelry and so it's going to come to a point where you're not going to stand out because you carry good jewelry right you're going to stand out based on how you make people feel and if there, if I could pick a trend for 2018, it would definitely be customer service. Right, I think right. that that's, that's the biggest thing that any of us can work on that will have the greatest impact on how many clients we're seeing on a regular basis. So what's the, what's the flow in your studio? When someone comes in, are, are they talking to the, the body piercer first? Or are they talking to a, a counter person first? It varies. It depends on how busy we are, usually they'll probably talk to a counter person first and we'll usually have two people working at any given time. We'll have a piercer and uh, a jewelry specialist that's going to be out front that can kind of get people started. And uh, for the most part, most of our staff has been with us long enough that they can really handle a lot of the jewelry selection and direction uh, with, and usually they'll defer back to the piercers for specific sizing on stuff if they need to know that. But um, you know, if we're a little bit slower, sometimes it's a little bit more of a tag team kind of hangout effort. And sometimes they'll speak directly with the piercer, but usually they're talking to a counter person who's kind of getting them ready, going through paperwork, getting jewelry picked out. And then, uh, they'll set aside the jewelry in a cup for the piercer. We'll take it back and, um, greet the customer, start sterilization, um, you know, get everything set up and then bring the, the customer back to the piercing. That sounds good. That's a good flow. I, I, I've gone through different trends where, um, you know, I've had, uh, 
uh, apprentice slash counter person doing a lot of my upfront work for me, you know, even to the yeah. point where he was loading everything in the statum. So I would, I would, you know, come in, I would talk to the client, I would perform the piercing, but I didn't do a lot of stuff at the, the jewelry counter. And right. now that things have switched over, my apprentice is on just regular piercing shifts now, and I've got a different counter person working with me, and I'm doing a lot more of those interactions, and I really missed it, you know, being able to, to talk to somebody, and, and that's what I see as, like, the magic side, you know, like, you can do yeah. a nostril piercing a thousand times, and, like, you know, it's great to refine your technique, but, you know, having those interactions with the person where you can really talk to them about, like, hey, check out this new jewelry that we got, or, you know, hey, have you seen a picture on social media that you like? You know, pull up something on your phone. Show me show me what you're you're liking on Instagram or, or Pinterest, and I'll show you what I have that, that's kind of in that style. And I miss those interactions when I'm not having them. I think I'm happiest when I'm, yeah. I'm having more of those interactions with people up front. Yeah, I agree. I went a long stretch where I was working a couple days a week. There was a while when I wasn't really working in the studio regularly at all, and especially when we were getting the, the new studio open. I took about a month off, and I, I always really miss that that connection with people when I'm out or when I'm when I'm a little bit more behind the scenes. And uh, our mission statement is um, to connect with people and build trust in our community. And you'll notice that there's no talk about piercing or or jewelry or anything in that in that statement because the focus of our encounter is to connect with the person that's in front of us in some way, you know, and sometimes it's, it's, it's not much. And it really, it's really based on what that client wants and what that client, you know, really is kind of projecting. But, you know, the more that we can really connect with that person, the more they're going to remember that experience and they're going to feel like someone was paying attention to them, which like we talked about before is, is really the foundation of all this, I think. You know, we have an opportunity to really make people feel nice and feel good and feel appreciated. And, uh, you know, in a, in a world where, you know, things can be kind of ugly, that can be a really nice respite for a lot of people. Yeah, there there have been different moments in my in my career. You know, I've been I've been doing this for around 20 years, give or take a little bit. And yeah. you know, I've had those moments where I'm just like, I'm just gonna be the the grumpy piercer guy, and I'm gonna focus on like, you know, giving this technically perfect piercing, and I'm gonna like micromanage every little aspect of it. But I, I think my customer service was the the big gap, you know. And now right. I look at it as like. Um, sure, you know, this client that's coming in for XYZ piercing, whatever, you know, they might be the, you know, number 5,000 that I've done for that particular piercing, but I'm, I might be their only person who's performed a piercing for them, you know, so I want them to, to remember the experience, uh, and realize that there's, there's a reason that they, they come into my, my shop, you know, especially if they come back. I want them to have a reason that they, they pick my studio over someone else, you know, because they can go anywhere. You can go anywhere and get a piercing these days. Uh, I want them to make the conscious decision of like, I want to go to PBA because they give me this, the, the service that I want, the quality, the, the attention to detail and all that stuff, you know, and when you start getting to the point where it's like, okay, this is just a sale that really takes away a, a lot because, um, you know, you're part of the person's life from that point, you know, like you want to, you don't necessarily have to be their, their best friend or their bud, but you want to be a pleasant memory for them. You don't want it to just be like, yeah. oh, I bet this guy was having a bad day or, you know, I, right. I, bet, I bet this woman was upset because, you know, she, she got in a fight with somebody, you know, you just want it to be like, oh, they were great. They were really smiley and they were really happy and warm and I love the experience. You know, that's, that's what I want people to remember about my studio, regardless of what's going on in my life. 
I want them to just have a, I want to be a, a pleasant part of their life basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think people remember feelings far more than they remember details. Mm-hmm. And if that feeling was, you know, rushed or inattentive, they might not leave feeling bad, but they're not going to leave feeling great. Yeah. And if you, if you can make that great impression, they're going to, they might not be able to, to vocalize why specifically they want to come to you, but if they had fun and they felt like, you know, they were heard and they were listened to and appreciated, you know, who doesn't want to feel like that? You know, yeah. and if that comes yeah. along with the, the encounter, it makes it a lot easier for that person to come in and drop another, you know, 80 to 200 bucks. Exactly. That That's a, a huge thing that I always try to tell younger piercers, especially is like, uh, you know, you might see people at conference or on social media and they're cranking out like amazing jewelry and, and piercings and, you know, high ticket stuff. And it, it takes work to establish that trust with the client because yeah. if you're trying to sell somebody a $300 piercing and you're wearing like ripped up jeans and a t-shirt that you've worn for four days straight and you have some like knit cap that just looks like it's covered in dirt, you know, like you don't look like you're worth the service. You know, you, you have to make someone realize like, uh, you know, I, I, I went to Mint and, you know, maybe I paid this or that or whatever, but it was worth it. You know, it wasn't so expensive. It was it was so worth it, you know, and that's that's the yeah. experience that I want people to have. I totally agree. So with, with your studios, with having multiple studios and everything, how do you handle the, the management? Do you have a dedicated manager for each studio or do you handle that and kind of bounce around from one or the other? Uh, I am lucky enough, Ryan, that I have a Brianna Sheehan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Human gold. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, and, I mean, the, the rest of my staff is, is tremendously helpful as well. I mean, Janessa... McKissick is um, and between the, the two of them and Blake being on top of all of the, I mean, he takes all of our photos. He does all of our, I'm, I'm almost all of our social media at this point. He's always the one posting everything. Um, I mean, we have so much talent in, in this crew that um, it, it's, it's really, it's fun and we communicate probably at an annoying level at some time. <laughs> Um, but everybody is on the same page and we, we really hire based on values over anything else. And if somebody doesn't fit the mold really, really perfectly, it's, it's just not going to be a good fit. You know, there's no, there's not a lot of in between. It's either hell yes or it's no Mm -hmm. when it comes to to hiring somebody new. And we've taken the same approach with our counter staff and really, really lucked out with, you know, being patient. And luckily I haven't found myself in a situation where I've had to hire someone just to keep somebody in here. And we've really been intentional, intentional about not eating a ton of staff at any given time so that we can keep the staff smaller and not, you know, need to hire someone that might not be the best fit, but they're available. Yeah. I've seen a lot of shops go down that road and you can always, you can always kind of tell when they, they have like their, their A, their A staff. And then they have like, you know, B or maybe C staff because it's just like they needed a body, you know, they didn't need somebody. They just needed a body, you know? So do you feel like it's more, um, like reaching out and, and recruiting talent or do you, do you like train homegrown talent? Like what's your preference? 
With our piercing staff, I mean, Janessa's worked with me for six years now, and she was local talent, and she worked at uh, a studio in town where they did a ton of cheap piercings. And I love hiring piercers that have done a ton of cheap piercings because they've worked out all of the kinks with working with the people side of things. Mm -hmm. And it's not hard to bring somebody up to speed technical-wise or using different jewelry, but what it's really hard to do is teach somebody to be nice to people. Right, yeah. And to teach someone to take care of themselves. And those are the things that, that I think are fundamentally more important. And if I can find somebody who who's worked at, you know, a, in a lower end situation, but they're awesome with people and they got a great image and a, and, a, and a stellar attitude, I would so much rather work with someone like that than somebody that does perfect piercings every time, but has a lot of personal baggage. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Blake came from a little bit different of a background. He uh, had a lot of more experience working in uh, in nicer studios, and he came with uh, an extreme talent with uh, photo video stuff, which is super valuable. And um, then our counter girls the, that we've hired, they've all been local girls that we've put out the, you know, we put one of them came from a sign that we put on the front window. Uh, of the shop, and the other one was uh, just a Facebook post that we put out, you know, asking for for resumes for part time help. Cool. And, how did uh, how did you and Brianna end up getting linked up? Well, we've been friends for a long time. Um, I met her doing a guest spot at Infinite years ago, and uh, you know, and she bought a bunch of jewelry uh, from our stone company over the years. We made some pieces for her and kind of gotten to know each other and. Um, just we're, we're chatty and friendly for a long time. And then I was, we were, we were starting to think about opening the first mint and it was really just kind of a theory at that point. And I had mentioned the fact that I was going to be opening a studio to, to her and to Derek and Nate and, and that crew when we were up there having lunch one day and she was kind of in a place where she was looking to make a change again and do something different. And so she contacted me and um, just said that you know she might be interested in talking about it, and uh, that was that that was when it really made sense, you know that that the idea was good, you know when someone of her caliber was was willing to sign up when it was just an idea, mm-hmm. and uh, that was that was very flattering. I think I, I got a little emotional at that <laughs> point. Really knew that this, that this was going to be a cool thing, and that yeah. we were going to really be able to build something neat together. Yeah, no, that's 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 a really good pairing, and I, I think um, a lot of people were not necessarily surprised, but you know, because I mean, she I would was, think so. Well, she was really well established at Saint Sabrina, yeah. and then people were like, "Oh wow, she's gonna, you know, she's gonna go out uh, on on a thing with Leo, and it's gonna be this, this Iowa? concept." Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, it seemed to have worked really good for you too. Yeah, that's the ongoing joke when we introduce her to customers and we tell her about her uh, her impeccable resume of yeah. working at some of the finest shops in Philadelphia and New York and Minneapolis and Ankeny. <laughs> <laughs> it's a natural progression. I know. How uh, yeah, how, how hard did uh, Derek and the Saint Sabrina crew cry when she left you? I, in in knowing what an asset I have working with me today, I can imagine it was very difficult, you know. And 
And it's always tough, you know, when, when you lose someone that, that is super valuable, um, you know, it's, it's hard. I'm sure it's hard not to blame yourself and think that you maybe could have done something different. And, you know, it's just when the circumstances warrant it, it just sometimes people leave and we all have to be prepared for that. I'm, I'm prepared for that. Yeah. You know, with any of my staff, I don't, I don't expect anybody to work here forever. And in fact, if they're not getting exactly what they want out of their life here, I would hope they would leave. That's kind of what I, I a circumstance I had, you know, I, I had Aaron Foster with me for, yeah. you know, five years or so. And, uh, you know, he, he told me that he was going to move out to, to Denver. He gave me plenty of oh. notice, you know, and Alicia is fantastic. And I, I was never mad for one instant, you know, and it was one of those no. things where I was, I was happy for him because it sounded like, a really good opportunity. It would be a really good fit for him, like city-wise and studio-wise. So it's like, right. I, you know, I can't do anything but wish you the best, really, you know? I mean, like, yeah. staff can staff can come and go. You know, you don't, you don't want to ever lose those good people, but you have to realize that they're people, and people need to grow, and sometimes that means they need to move on. Yeah, and anytime you doubt that, I mean, just look at, at shops like Infinite or like St. Sabrina's exactly. or, or 23rd Street who have – had those change of the guards so many times where from the outside you're like, oh, they're done. <laughs> you know? It's such a, such a short-sighted point of view. Yeah, yeah. Know? Like a good studio is far more than the individuals working there. Mm -hmm. And and that's that, I think that's really important to keep in mind that, you know, we really need to do everything we can to work cohesively as a team to build the business. And uh, if you have people that are, that are aligned to that value and are more motivated by teamwork and being part of something bigger than themselves more than anything else. I think that's, that's much easier to achieve. Yeah. And, and bringing in new people and, you know, cycling people through, uh, it's just more ideas, you know, and, and that just makes the shop stronger because you can take uh, the best lessons that they've learned and you can incorporate them into your business. Yeah. Yeah. So as someone who's been, you know, piercing for, for quite a few years, like what do you do to kind of stay, to stay fresh with the industry? Because, you know, a, a shop concept like Mint makes sense now, but, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it was a totally yeah. different industry. So like, where do you, where do you find your inspiration and, and how do you, how do you grow yourself as a professional? Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm very active on looking at what other shops are doing and like you said earlier it's it's very it's impossible not to draw inspiration from good ideas yeah and that's just that's the nature of everything it's the, it's the nature of art and life and creativity in general is that you will draw your own creativity from things that you observe that you like and uh i mean iris is a huge inspiration and uh, everything that Jesse's been able to put together uh, is just absolutely incredible. You know, yeah, the, I think Iris doesn't really get enough credit for being no. like really ahead of the game because now oh, when there yeah. are all these other studios kind of popping up, or, you know, around them and in the same marketplace that that has that similar kind of vibe, um, mm -hmm. maybe they maybe they don't really stand out as much. But you know, a couple of years ago, like it was it was a, a completely bold concept with their displays. <laughs> And the, the way that they, like, set up their studio and the way that they, like, you know, had their interactions and all that stuff. So, yeah, Iris, Iris was, like, really, you know, really ahead of the curve, I think. Well, I think the biggest thing that I, that I gleaned from kind of watching what they were doing and seeing their evolution over the years was they were clearly getting their influences from outside of the industry. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's another thing that I think is so important for us is to really look at our studios and think, what, what do we actually want? 
them to do? What do we want them to look like? How do we want them to function? You know, we do not all have to have the ugly, stacky garage hardware drawers in our piercing rooms. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have those, but you should get rid of them if you do. <laughs> yeah, those like or gray plastic ones that you get at Home Depot. Well, and yeah, it just seems like it, it's very easy and it's it's hard to not get into that that cookie cutter mentality when the only thing we're exposing ourselves to is the inspiration of what other shops have done. So um, I, I love modern architecture and design. And so, I mean, there's, there's magazines out there like Dwell uh, that do a lot more residential stuff, but there's a lot of commercial work in there as well. And um, Pinterest is an awesome place to get ideas. I mean, for a lot of the concepts that we came up with, uh, for Mint, we're you know searching Pinterest for ceiling, modern ceiling ideas or modern flooring, and you know you come up with with ideas and concepts based on what somebody did in their bedroom and just seeing, wow, that looks cool. How could we put that together? Or what could we do with that? Or who could I talk to that could maybe help to walk me through that? And that that led us to um, starting to talk to a local architectural firm. And we went and spoke with them. I'd never done anything like that before or didn't know how that world operates or how that even works. But I called them and I made an appointment and we set up a consultation and we met in their um, beautiful uh, conference room and we brainstormed references just like any customer comes into our studio bringing you know, photos of piercings. And uh, we set a budget and we looked at uh, you know, what was realistic and what was unrealistic and they, they – came up with concepts that we would never have thought of because they come from a completely different world. And they're not even familiar with any of the, you know, the, the, the things that have been done within our industry. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to look at it. You know, I don't think a lot of people reach that far outside of their own industry. You know, for, for me, I, I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way with, with my oh, setups. You know, it's just been like decorated so that the staff feels comfortable and, you know, oh yeah, there are customers that come in here too. So what? But like now, like when I, when I, when I did my latest studio, it was all about like, what can I do to make people feel comfortable? What are yeah. the businesses that my customers are already shopping in and how can I make it look like those businesses so that they feel more comfortable, you know, spending their dollars and so they can feel confident. And, uh, you know, it, it definitely paid off dividends, but what were some of like the, what were some of like your, like, uh, reach for the stars kind of design choices? Like what's some, what are, what are some of the neater things you think you incorporated into your studio? Oh man, there's been uh there's been a lot of those. And that's, that's my favorite thing today. I love dissecting things and figuring out how to build something that looks cool. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that I'm working on now is, uh, it's a ceiling feature and it's, uh, I saw a photo of something similar to it and it's basically like a series of triangular mirrors that are all put together in like a geometric pattern to build like this panel essentially. And so I started looking at, you know, how I was going to build this and put this together. And so I figured out you could, you know, cut it all out with plywood and build this frame and then hardware it all together. And, uh, then ha- I had the, the mirrors cut by a local glass company and, uh, the thing turned out just awesome. And I have one of the panels finished and I still need to build four more, but eventually it's basically going to be like this geometric mirrored ceiling that will, um, cover our hallway here at the West Des Moines shop. And that our cases are, I'm really proud of. Uh, we had an architect design them from 
you know, every screw and wooden panel that goes into them. And they're very, I think they're unique for our industry. They don't have glass on the front of them. They're just, you know, really nice paneled hardwood. And uh, the Ankeny store has maple and the West Moines store is all walnut. And then they're basically glass topped. So you really don't see what's in them. You can see them glowing from a distance, mm-hmm. but you really have to walk up to them and kind of look down into them to see see what's going on. That's great. And it has a unique way of really drawing people in. And um, also from a security standpoint, there's no jewelry visible from the outside of the studio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from the outside, I mean, we, it's funny when we first opened, people we're joking it looked like an Apple store because <laughs> really don't, you know, we didn't have a ton of stuff on display quite yet. And it was kind of hard to tell like what it was. Cause you, you look at our studio and there's a, you know, giant eight by 12 foot, um, printout photo of an agate on the wall. And, uh, the rest of it's a lot of white and there's a lot of breathing room. And, you know, that's kind of one of the, the foundations of, of minimalist design is really putting emphasis into a couple of features instead of crowding the whole place with stuff. Yeah, yeah. My my last shop looked like a TGI Friday's. It was just <laughs> just everywhere. You know, it was like, you know, just stuff all over the place and like all these different, you know, framed posters and prints, but all in like different different styles of frames and color, you know, all that stuff. So just um, having a more mature design layout, I, I think, is just a huge difference for us because uh, we don't look like any of the other shops in the area. You know, like people can go into uh, 10 different tattoo shops, tattoo piercing shops, whatever, and, you know, how many of them are going to have the same, uh, you know, like blood red kind of walls and like diamond plating and, you know, black and gray vct flooring and, and this and that you know and it's it's all kind of the, the same look you know and and I, I i wanted to just go with something a little bit different yeah yeah and it's fun you know when you, especially once you do it a couple of times you realize how accessible doing whatever you want is with the right resources uh it, it's really a fun process one of the the big the big rock prints that we have on the wall the one in Ankeny, we had it printed on metal and so it's it's solid but then in, when we opened the West Des Moines store, we thought, well, what if like we try to figure out a way to backlight this so the whole thing really glows? And so this one we had printed on acrylic, and then the print is mounted to the back of the acrylic. And then I actually just finished building an aluminum frame around these uh, four by eight panels that will mount LED strip lighting to. And we'll wire that into the electrical. And so it won't be like a, a hard glow, but there will be warmth to right. the, the print itself that will radiate. And I'm so excited to see that finished because that, that project has been – it's been a lot of thought experiments of trying to figure out like how do we make this work and how do we make it look good and not just thrown together mm-hmm. and, and half-assed. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I've uh, I've had my eye on uh, the social media page for this um, this metal worker. You know, he does all these like metal cut signs, backlighting with LEDs and all that stuff. And I, I think uh, that's gonna be my project for the spring and the summer. I think I'm gonna pull the trigger cool. on that and have him do something cool with our logo or something. You know, mount it on the yeah. wall or do something. I don't know. I got I got some wall space that I could fancy up. Oh, and I just I love learning skills like that. 
and, and taking on a new project and giving myself a, an excuse to buy a couple new tools and, you know, just learn how to do something that I didn't know how to do before, especially when it comes to building something. Mm-hmm. There's just so much fulfillment in that. I, I definitely like learning those things, but I, I think at this point with my, my most recent studio, I, I really just wanted to, you know, I've got the flexibility with budget now, and I really just wanted to pay professionals because my last studio, it was yeah. a lot of DIY stuff. And for right. me, you know, I, that, that, that wasn't super natural for me. So some of it was kind of obvious, you know, some of the paint and trim and, you know, if I was doing little wiring jobs, stuff like that, you know, it wasn't coming out perfect. And uh, with, oh, okay. with this shop, like it was really just kind of like, you know what, I, I, I'm sure I could do it myself. But I don't think I could do it as good as this person can do it, so I'm just going to pay them. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. We we paid, we outsourced all of the the labor on both of these last studios. Actually, you we can built. Tell. I mean, your your studios are are gorgeous, even down to like the fine little details. Thanks, thanks. I mean, that's the goal, and that's one of the nice things about keeping it super simple is it's a lot easier to to appreciate that when there's so much open space. I mean, when you have a wall with nothing on it. I don't want to be the one that that mudded those drywall joints because right. it's going to be wavy. Yeah, and I mean we hired out everything with this, and that I mean that allowed us to that allowed me some semblance of of balance in my life. You know, while opening these studios, I mean as you can attest, anybody can opening a studio is very, very taxing mentally and emotionally, and if if you're the one doing the labor and trying to manage another studio and trying to maintain a marriage, it's it, it, something is going to suffer as a result of working that much. And yeah, yeah. you get to a point where you, you either, you know, you suffer or you pay. And, uh, <laughs> which is also a form of suffering. It is a form of suffering, but I will take it most of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, do you feel like it gets any easier for you when you open new studios, like, you know, because yes. you've learned so many lessons? Yes, it's gotten way easier. In fact, this last one was, it was, it was nice. It was, there was stressful components of it for sure, but everything fell together. And that's one thing that, that we've found to be really um, something that we, that we look for at this point is, is what is working? Mm-hmm. Because if you have to manipulate an outcome, you will have to continue manipulating its maintenance. And if something just comes together and it's and it, and it seems organic and, it, and it's flowing, and um, a good example of that is, I mean, we ran into um, roadblocks with lots of spaces that we liked as far as locations went, and we'd we'd go and we'd look at a space and we'd get so excited about it, and we'd be able to visualize ourselves in that area, and oh, this is so perfect, and then they'd say no. Hmm. And then we'd be back to the drawing board of, well, what do we do now? And, oh, well, should we even do this? And uh, why do I even try? And, you know, you get into that whole self-defeating talk. And, you know, inevitably we'd find something else and we'd think, why were we even so stuck on that last space? This yeah. one's way better. You know, so you just – you never know what what else is possible. And a lot of times, especially in the exhaustion of looking for locations, you really find yourself settling at a certain point. And sometimes it's out of necessity, you know, kind of like hiring somebody that might not be a good fit. You find yourself settling on a location because you're just so goddamn tired and you're so sick of driving around and you're so sick of talking about lease rates and square footage and, and, and all this other stuff that you just want to get started on actually opening a shop. <laughs> and 
you know, we've, we've found that if you're patient and uh, you can let a project evolve as it needs to, it actually tends to come together a lot better. And, you know, we've been in situations where we don't have that luxury, where we really have to get a shop open because we don't have one. And we've been in situations where we have one that's functioning, that's fully staffed, and we can just, you know, let this project unfold as it needs to. And uh, that is just, it's such a better situation because you don't have the stress of, sure deadlines you don't have people counting on you that that need to get paid eventually you know staff that's going to you have set up to work there i mean because you can't just open up a shop and then figure out who's going to work there you know you really have to have to arrange all of those aspects of it as it's going along and the more times you do it just like with anything the more comfortable you get with the process of this needs to be arranged here and now i need to start looking at this and um you know, maybe I should set up a mailbox one of these days and, you know, all the little details that you can still sometimes forget about. You are, you're so, you're so calm when you talk about it that it's almost tempting uh, to like open, a, open an additional studio. It's like, hmm, maybe there could be a PBA too, but no, I don't, I don't think I could ever open that can of worms. <laughs> oh man. I almost did it in a different state. Yeah. And, uh, I'm really, really glad I didn't. Um, you know, we see people like, uh, like Iris and like club, um, that seem to be doing really well with it. I mean, I don't know what that stuff looks like at home. And, uh, you know, I, I know that all those guys, they work their asses off and none of that shit is easy. Um, you know, but it's, it's so easy to romanticize that and to think like, oh man, you know, that these guys are doing that. That's what I should do. Um, you know, and in the end, it uh, it boiled down to the potential for a serious disruption to Kate and I's lifestyle began to outweigh the potential for more profit. Mm-hmm. And the idea of having to go to a, a different state to be present in my business, you know, because I really do think that that's important, um, you know, that that. In, in my idealizing mind, it seemed like a really good idea. Uh, and we, we even got to the point where we found a space. We lined up contractors. We had bids. I mean, we were, we were a couple signatures away from, from pulling the trigger and doing it. In the end, we really took a step back and looked at what do we really want our life to look like. You know, not, not what do I want to look like to my peers or, you know, what do we want, how do we want to be perceived within our industry? But what do we really want our life to look like? And, uh, there's only so thin that that I that I want to spread myself, and I think I'm I'm there at least for right now. That's smart, you know, because I I think some people, you know, they see the American dream as you know more, 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 got to keep got to keep clawing and scratching and and, and making it bigger. But uh, you know, I've seen I've seen I've seen that from both sides, and some people can do it well, and other people it just it crushes them, you know, it crushes them under the weight of their own success, and you know, and yeah. I think uh, you know maybe having a, a little bit. A little bit less that you can be happier with is, is, you know, maybe maybe the right move. Yeah, yeah, it really it's working out really well for us, especially now that the dust is settling from you know because it's not only getting the new shop open, it's getting the the structure open or, or put put together, and you know it's not just a, a new adventure for for our lives, but it's a big change in the lives of the rest of our staff. Yeah, and uh, you know, there everyone is working at each studio a little bit, and so everybody's schedule 
was kind of up in the air for a little bit and is still kind of settling into place. And I'm just, I'm so grateful with, uh, with our staff and just how flexible and they've been. And it's, it's, uh, it's wonderful to work with people who are so down for the team, um, that they have just, you know, again and again and again, been willing to, uh, to make sacrifices to, um, you know, make it work knowing that, that in the end, what we're building is, is cool. And, and it's gonna, it's gonna do really well for, for all of us. Mm, that's great. That sounds like a, just a really good situation. So your, your staff, they, they kind of bounce around from between the different shops. Yep. Yep. Uh, I personally work three days at the West Des Moines shop and then, which is the new one. And then one day at the original Ankeny studio, just to kind of keep my face in there Mm -hmm. a little bit. And, uh, Janessa works three days in West Des Moines and two days in Ankeny. And then Blake works three days in Ankeny and two days in West Des Moines. I think that that works out the way that it is, but it's a pretty even split. For the most part, just so everybody can, you know, work at the because for a while, you know, especially when we first opened Ankeny was a little bit busier and West Moine was still getting going. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted people to be able to work at the shop where they might make a little bit more in tips, uh, but also be able to spend some time at the new exciting thing that we just put together as well. Right. And very, very quickly, um, the new studio has uh, joined and in some cases surpassed the the numbers that that the original studio was doing. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, that's that's incredible. You yeah. know, I expect it to be a lot more of a climb. But being in the same area, you know, our brand has a decent amount of recognition at this point, and our reputation seems really good. And so this this was just, it was a little bit more familiar for people uh, when we opened up, and we didn't have to spend quite as much time, you know, familiarizing people with our process and you know having them feel like it was something so crazy and different. That's great. Yeah, I mean, that just sounds like you're. Whatever, whatever the formula is, you got it figured out. It sounds great. The formula is make it easier for everyone all the time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> of course, I, of course, it's so that's, obvious. That's, that's, that's the filter that we run everything through. Yeah. And you know, back to the mission statement, it's like you know, is this decision serving to help us better connect with others and build trust in our community? And um, you know, making decisions like uh, looking at our, our downside, post-downsizing structure and, you know, looking at a lot of the pain points that we were experiencing with customers and thinking, how can we make this easier and how can we smooth this out? Mm-hmm. You know, like there, there's, there's certain times, you know, talking about aftercare and when do you bring that up and when do you add that onto the sale and are people bummed that there's one more thing that they got to pay for and how can we make that a little bit gentler and, um, you know, not just have it be this nickel and dime fiasco at the right. end of the day. Yeah, I, I, I've had that. I've had that same kind of moment. You know, because usually I'll uh, when I'm when I'm putting together the total, I'd be like, oh, you know, do you want me to add uh, a can of aftercare spray onto this? Or you know, sometimes oh. if it's a if it's a big ticket piercing, I'll just be like, oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you some aftercare spray so you can take care of it the way it, you know we'd prefer. And blah blah blah. But yeah. um, sometimes people. You know, it's it's cheap. You know, it's it's saline. It's 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 an inexpensive product. But sometimes people hit that wall where they're like, "No, I don't need that." Like, and it's and what they're really saying is like, "I'm not going to spend any more money. I'm I've I've spent my comfortable limit. I'm not going over that." And it's like I don't, yeah. I don't see it as a negative, but it's like, yeah, if, if there could be a softer way where I could get them to see that it's just you know you're going to need to clean it regardless of you know whether you get it from me or you get it from somewhere else. And I just want to make sure you're you're taking care of it the right way. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, and really looking at the way that we're presenting things and, you know, paying attention to how people are reacting, you know, because you can always see when somebody cringes a little bit or tightens up a little bit. You could, or you can see that just like wave of bummed go over their face, you know, when they, they get asked for one more thing. And so that, that's one of the things that we really try and pay attention to is, is how can we make this easier for them? And, And sometimes that's pulling back. You know, I mean, I just had that tonight where we had a girl in and she was getting her, she never had a, anything pierced other than her lobes. And she was, she, she came in for a curated piercing consult, you know, so we, we looked at a couple of different options and, um, we came down on this, uh, this little gold piece that she really liked and it was really perfect for her style, you know, but it was, uh, I think it was 180 bucks and, you know, that was a little bit more than she was wanting to spend. And I, I was the one to say, you know, listen, if this is going to make you uncomfortable, and this is going to put you in a tough place. Get the titanium one. It's great. It's, it, it's a good quality. It's going to be just as good healing-wise. You know, don't feel bad if you want to do that. And and I will be the one to pull back uh, on people with that kind of stuff. If I really sense that they're going to have some serious buyer's remorse, that's not, that's not, that's not something that's going to leave them feeling good. Right. You know, and, you, and you want to gain somebody's trust. Ask them to spend less in mm-hmm. your store. Than, than they were than they were thinking about. I've had those moments where you know sometimes it'll be a, a piercing that's not suited to their lifestyle. You know, I, I pierce a lot of medical professionals. You know, and if they want a tragus or if they want a doth or whatever, and I say, well, you know, this isn't really going to be compatible with a stethoscope. You know, right. and then, they, then they think, oh, you know, I never would have even thought of that. And it's like, yeah, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to talk myself out of a one or two or three hundred dollar <laughs> sale, but maybe let's yeah. try to find something that's going to be a little bit easier for you to heal. Absolutely. Well, and not only is that going to make them feel better about that encounter, they're not going to forget about that piece they love, Ryan. Right. They're going to be back, and you're going to sell them both in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had a couple of clients where, you know, I I always start with with the gold, and I don't try to do it in like a car salesman type of, type of way, you know, like you know we can get you the undercoating, but. You know, I, I try to just get people to, to fall in love with the jewelry or at least to give me a sense of, you know, let's say that all of this was free. You know, what's what's the one that you would want to go home with, you know, and I try yeah. to get that sense off of them. And then I and then I talk to them and I say, well, like, well, you know, like, do you have a, a budget you want to stay inside of today? You know, and if they tell me, OK, uh, you know, uh, 80 bucks or 180 bucks, then I can say, like, OK, well, you know, let's let's look at this display here and let's check this stuff out. And that one, yeah, that one is gorgeous. But, you know, that one's going to put you a little bit higher than your budget. And are you, are you comfortable with that? You know, because you can always come back and upgrade to it later and you can nudge those people and you can get them buying whatever jewelry they want or, or you want sometimes. But, you know, the next day, are they going to be happy? Are they going to are they going to come back to your store if they think that every piercing costs 400 bucks? You know, it's like yeah. I would it's rather long time yeah i'd rather have them be happy and i'd rather have them coming back you know once a month or whenever they get the itch yep their trust is far more valuable than their money right right yeah the 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 best income stream you can have are loyal clients that want to come back and they want to bring their friends you know like anybody can close a high ticket sale once but you right. know, if you can get someone walking through your door time after time after time, they know your name, you know their name, you put, you can put a smile on their face. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna, your business is gonna be a lot stronger for that in the long run. There was a uh, an analogy that I heard from a, a tattooer a long time ago, and it's it's a little aggressive, but I still like it. And it's that you can 
you can skin your customers once or you can shear them for a lifetime. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I don't like the, uh, the, the idea of us shearing our customers, but, but the analogy makes sense. You, know, you can only burn somebody once, right. you know, and you can, only, you can only take advantage of somebody's, you know, moment of, of, of weakness once. But, you know, yeah, sometimes it's, all, it's all it, trust. It is a thing. Yes, exactly. And like when you when you lose that trust, you know, you, you lose that client, you know, whether it's yes. you you push them into jewelry that maybe they they really shouldn't have gone home with, you know, whether it's price or whether it's just something that's not viable for a location or a lifestyle or whatever. But, you know, uh, if you're that piercer where they can they can talk to you, uh, they can talk about you to their friends and they can say, I went in there. Uh, you know, he noticed the, he noticed the color of my purse. You know, we, we talked about life. We like the same kinds of music and he did this amazing, you know, nostril piercing on me and I'm going to bring you there and you're going to get it done. Or you can be that person where it's like, I went in there and he kept just trying to like push me towards this gold stuff when I don't even really like gold. And, you know, I went for it and like the, it was clean, but I just felt uncomfortable and I, he felt slimy, you know, stuff like that. You know, like I don't, I don't, I don't want to have those kinds of interactions. I don't care how much money you can make by being no. a, a used car salesman. Like that's not, that's not what I want to do. No, that, that is, that is not the win. The win, like you said, is when, when someone is excited to tell their friend about how awesome their experience was. Yeah. Because you're not only gaining that that person's trust, you're gaining their evangelism at that point. Yeah. Because once they trust you, they they are your, you are their person. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. And and that, that's that's such a cool thing in our industry is customers really tend to connect with their their practitioner. Mm -hmm. You know, they got their guy or their girl that they go to for that kind of stuff. And I think it's even stronger in the tattoo community. Oh yeah. But in our business, I mean, there's you haven't been pierced, having been piercing for a really long time as well. I mean, you have people that that are bringing in their children at oh, yeah. this point. Yeah, I'm that, sure that blew my mind the first couple of times yeah. I got that. I actually I pierced a I pierced a third generation client, so I, I had you know a, a woman who brought her daughter, and then you know yeah. like 18 yeah. years later she brought her daughter, and it's like oh my god, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy to think that. We're even still doing this, let alone making a, a, a good living off of it. Yeah, and we're, yeah. And I, I think Ryan, everybody – Ryan, 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 Ryan. Yeah. It's nose rings. Nose rings. All of this <laughs> is from nose rings. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's magic though. It is magic. Uh, we've all got those, those client stories where you're interacting with someone and, you know, you're not the first person that pierced them, but you'll probably be the last person that pierced them because, Ooh, I like that. you know, they, they went to another studio and they just got some, some bummer of an experience, you know, and they're like, Oh yeah, I went there for years and you know, they just, you know, they, they dropped the ball too many times and it's like, now they're giving you a shot and it's like, well, okay, I don't want to be that negative story. You know, I don't want to be that, like I went in for my nose ring and you know, he, completely botch something or, you know, push me towards jewelry that I didn't want or this or that or whatever, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to be that person. Yeah, we have a lot. And I love that. I, I hate hearing about people having, you know, poor experiences, but at the same time it lights me up and I always get excited. And, you know, I just, it, you have so many people that come in that are, that are just kind of giving this laundry list of, of failed piercings they've had or, 
or bad experiences they've had. And, and my thought in that situation, and I usually vocalize it, is I am so excited for you. I'm so mm-hmm. excited that you're here today because today we get to start over. Yeah. You know, we get to we get you off on the right foot with a positive experience and get you excited about this stuff again because a lot of times they come in and they're just like, I, I don't think I can even have piercings. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've had so many that haven't done well. Yeah, I've, I've had those people. You, you probably had them. They come in and they're like, "Well, you know, I, I can, I can only get pierced with this because I have, I, I have migration problems or rejection problems or this or that." Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't want you to feel like it's your fault and you can't heal a piercing. I think you've had a bad experience where maybe you've gotten bad jewelry or bad placement or bad aftercare, and those clients love it. You know, like when when you pierce somebody, I'm sure. Every time you're putting on the show, but when you have those yeah. repeat clients, they don't know it's the show. That's just the norm for them. But then if you have that client come in who's had a bad experience or gone to a, maybe like a, a less experienced shop, it's it's totally the show again. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're you're opening everything up in front of me and you're sterilizing stuff just for me and you're doing this and that. And it's like it's not just the 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 jewelry that's curated. It's the whole experience. Like you know, it's it's that. Yeah. That care and attention and everything, they, they they love it, especially when they've had a bad experience in the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the best thing is when you can – if you can really develop a love of people and an appreciation of people, it becomes less and less of a show and, a, and an act and it just becomes you being you and being genuine with people. Mm-hmm. and. That that's just it, it's such a wonderful thing, and you can just see it in how they respond to it because we have so many just like surfacey, superficial interactions throughout our life, especially when we're just going into a store to buy something. Right. And to have somebody go out of their way to uh, to just pay attention to you for a little bit, it really goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, dogs and Netflix, those are great. Always <laughs> universally. <laughs> Great conversation topics. Totally, because everyone can relate. Yeah, that's why I always love it when like um, like the really like tentpole shows are out on Netflix. You know, like a new season of Stranger Things or yeah. Orange Is the New Black or something, because that's what everybody's talking about. And it's like you know, if you have a client and you're you're turned around and you're setting something up and they're like whispering with the, they're like oh my god did you see that episode did you see what what happened to you know this person or that person on the show and you can turn around and be like oh my god i know right what did you, did you get to this episode yet and they're like oh my god i know right and it's it's, yeah. it's great yeah and occasionally we get a gamer girl and then wants to talk about destiny and i'm psyched oh yeah see i've got uh, i got a big skyrim map uh, framed on my piercing room wall and that's a, oh, a nice. that's a huge conversation starter for me. <laughs> uh, all right, so this is probably a, a good place to wrap it up. I think we've we've talked about a lot of the the beauty of body piercing again. But this is a great talk. We should we should do uh, another one of these again sometime when you open up mint number ten or something. No, no, let's not do that because it's not going to happen. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> I, li- I like to st- I like to stick with let's actually do this. <laughs> yeah, we can do another one and. Uh, I had an idea. I was going to do it with uh, Aaron Pollock and Jeff Saunders, but I was going to try to record a, an episode of this while I was playing Destiny. So maybe we can get oh, you cool. in on that. Do you play on, on Xbox or PlayStation? Xbox. Uh, boo, I take it back. Every, everything nice thing I said about you, I take it back. <laughs> I know. I, I feel worse and worse about myself every time I have this conversation. <laughs> no one plays on Xbox. you got to get a get a PS4 one of these days. 
I just don't play enough video games to care. Yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense. The only, the only, really, the big difference for me is just like all the all the tattooers at my shop all play on PS4, right. and you know all yeah. my like a, a bunch of my piercing buddies play on there. You know Jeff and you know and Aaron and you know a bunch of other people just play on there. So that's that's just kind of what I gravitate towards. Jeff plays too. Oh yeah, yeah, he plays. He's he's good too. Oh man. See, see. You gotta, well, you gotta I mean, if, 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 if I'm going to waste a significant amount of my time doing something like that, I might as well do it with people that I really enjoy talking with. Hey, do you think it would count as a as a tax write off if you played with uh, work colleagues and you talked shop while you were shooting aliens? I think that's that's justifiable. See, see, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I think that that actually makes a lot of sense, yeah. man. <laughs> see, I'm just I like golden ideas. <laughs> Well, uh, so one more time for people. Where do they find you yeah. in uh, the physical world versus the uh, the internet world? Um, I am in my studios regularly. We are in West Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, we are in Ankeny, Iowa. We have a beautiful website, mintpiercing.com, um, where if someone happens to be a customer in this area, they can book an appointment online super easy. And uh, otherwise, I am at home with my dogs uh, hanging out with my beautiful, wonderful wife. Living the dream. Indeed. Cool. All right, well, thanks for talking to me, Leo. This is a really good conversation. Thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks. All right, so that was a really fun chat with uh, with Leo. I enjoyed that one. We talked about a lot of different issues that, um, you know, I you know, hope will we'll help some people out. You know, I know a lot of piercers focus really hard on the act of you know putting a needle through someone but you know there are so many things that that go part and parcel with that you know uh the environment that you work in and uh, you know the the attitude that you present while you while you work on these people it makes a really big difference it makes a really big impact on their experience and and how they remember your studio you know they don't just remember the the needle you know they remember the faces and and your voice and your attitude and all that stuff so it was just kind of good to to vocalize that stuff with leo uh, so after this, I'm going to uh, finish up some slideshows for my classes. I, I finished up uh, editing a bunch of different videos yesterday, and I need to book a rental car because I found out that there's a NXT wrestling show um, a little bit to the to the west of where I'll be staying in Florida. So bonus, that's what I get to do Saturday night. So uh, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved. 